All right, uh, so this is an insert onto this episode, JPAT, as uh, we found out after we recorded the podcast that uh, the Canucks, well, they did it. They bought out Oliver Ekman Larson, much to our surprise. And uh, as you'll hear in the pod a little bit later on here, like we did not see this coming, but we uh, they did it. And now the Canucks are going to move on from Oliver Ekman Larson. However, he will stay around with the team for a little while. When you consider the buyout, he will be on the books until 2030-31. Yeah, just a sec here as I pick myself up off the floor and my jaw as right? well. Uh, I just didn't see this. I did not see ownership writing a $20 million check to make him go away. Um, so I, I am shocked. And you're right. I mean, if people listen to the remainder of the podcast, we have Patrick Johnson from Post Media on and we talk a little bit about options on defense and things that they may or may not do. Uh, we talk about the fact that the buyout window is open. And I kind of figured that it, if something this monumental was going to happen, it would be at the back end of the window that they would continue to try to seek options and that this would be a last resort. So again, I'm not going to come down hard on Patrick Alvine because he, he was so careful the way he phrased it in April when he said, I don't have any intentions to use buyouts at this point. And that left the door open to using buyouts. He didn't say, I will not. Um, again, this is real money. $20 million to make him go away. They were going to pay him $30 million to continue to play for the Canucks if he had played out this contract. Uh, look, we know that Oliver Ekman Larson, the speed of the game was a massive issue for him last season. Uh, we were sort of led to believe that there were some reasons. It, you know, the injury at the Worlds last year... Uh, a shortened season to prepare and coming to camp behind the eight ball and never catching up. Um, I, I guess, you know, I, I've said it on past episodes. I kind of thought that they were going to have him go home, have the full summer, come back, you know, Adam Foote as a defenseman coach, Rick Tockett with his system, Philip Hronick as his likely partner, and I thought they were going to give it another shot. Uh, apparently not. And so internal discussions have led to this point. The Canucks writing this massive check to make OEL go away. And as it sits right here right now, they have Quinn Hughes, Philip Ronick, and Tyler Myers under contract. That's their defense core. Ethan Bear had shoulder surgery. We know that. Uh, Akito Hiroshi needs a contract. There is this gap now as the number two spot on the left side behind Quinn Hughes, but they have money. They, they have created a cap cushion, and it did sort of feel like a now or never uh, and I guess they're hoping that the salary cap is going to go up. And so that dead money, while not ideal, you know, if it's $2 million in perpetuity, and it kind of feels like that, um, you know, if the cap goes up substantially, then they're thinking that they can work around that. But the savings are in the here and now. And now it becomes a question, what do they do with this money? How do they spend this money? Can they spend it wisely to address the back end to find another top four defenseman? We know that they don't come cheap on the open market. Uh, I guess this, you know, it, it saves them to some degree in as much as uh, the other trade avenues weren't working. Like we know that teams wanted them to pony up assets to move off Besser or Garland now they've got some cap flexibility to work with, but damn, it comes at the steepest of prices, and that is uh, eight more years on the books for Oliver Ekman Larson. This is the highest amount of cash that he was going to get paid uh, in this contract at $10.5 million. It's the last payment of the $10.5 million. 
in total salary after that, there's about 18, 19 million or 18 and a half million left on that. If they had awaited one more year, but they didn't, they decided to pull the trigger. Now they'll get the savings, but they will have to eat a, a big chunk of his salary over the next few years. As we talked about on the podcast, as you'll hear a little bit further on here, like $4.7 million, like this year, your cap hit under $150,000 next year, just under two point three and a half. But then it's 4.7 for two more years. Now this is in the 25, 2025 through to the 2027 end of 27 season. So hopefully the, the cap goes up, but man, $4.7 million. That is, that's a good player. Really? that you're just essentially just eating to get rid of Oliver Ekman Larson. I've said it before, but you know, I say it tongue in cheek, but maybe there's some truth to it. Jim Benning's last parting gift, Oliver Ekman Larson to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and the ghost of Jim Benning will live on now through 20, like his hands will be on the Vancouver Canucks salary cap structure through 2031, which is incredible. Uh, The other thing is that you're right. So almost 5 million for two seasons there. And those are going to be like the statistical prime seasons of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes if, you know, if Pettersson neglects to, to stick around. But, you know, maybe on some level this move is done with an eye to pitching to Elias Pettersson that they can go and find, you know, better players in the short term. That they now have some money to play with to to make some moves. I, I just think as much as, you know, you have to say, okay, well, they've been talking about it forever. They've created this cap space. I think there's so much trepidation in Canuck Nation of a front office now with some money to spend because in the past, you know, when they had money to spend, they didn't spend it wisely. So half the equation is to create the cap space. The other half is how do you spend it to make your hockey club better? And this is a team that already had a long list of wants and needs heading into the offseason. And now all of a sudden on top of, you know, finding a right side top, not pairing necessarily, but somebody to replace Ethan Bear, the third line center spot. Now you need a top four guy over on the left as well. And so, I mean, there's just, there's so many, there were questions before, but now there are as many, if not more about what does this defense core look like, but they do have the the capital now, at least to go into the market. So maybe they are going to be players uh, either around the draft or uh, when the free agent window opens two weeks from tomorrow. Or maybe they love Fikido Hirose, right? Maybe he's, maybe he did enough for them to, oh, I, again, uh, it's a like, reach. It's a reach. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, the stated goal is to be a playoff team and all of a sudden you're turning your you know, top four spot on your left side, uh, undersized guy that got a handful of games in and looked all right. And, you know, again, I think he can be a part of what they're putting together here. But I, I, I think that they must have designs on bigger, better, stronger, especially after watching Vegas win the Stanley Cup and Rick Tockett wanting toughness. Uh, I have to wonder if all of this is done and they've already, you know, made, I mean, it's too soon. You can't go and sign anybody in free agency, but I wonder if they have their eye on a target or two that sort of would fit what's on Talkett's wish list. We put a poll out. Uh, we just found out about this. Uh, 200 votes in right now was buying out Oliver ekman Larson. the right move by the Canucks. 69.2% saying yes right now, J-Pat. So uh, the fans agree with it. We'll see if this works out for the Vancouver Canucks. But Oliver ekman Larson officially bought out by the Canucks. All right, let's get to your regular scheduled 
podcast. Rinkwad Vancouver, pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at bodog.net. Wad and J-Pad here with you once again as we wrap up the week. And uh, looking forward to next week, J-Pad, because I think we're going to start to get a lot of news coming from the Vancouver Canucks. Not only that, it feels like around the NHL, as we talked about on, on some of the pods this week, like there are things that we expect the Canucks to get done. Some of those qualifying offers that we talked about, whether it's Ethan Bear, perhaps even uh, Travis Dermott. But I get the feeling that there could be a major trade in, in the NHL, and perhaps that might shake the foundation a little bit with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and we should also mention that like the first buyout window is now officially over. 48 hours after the Stanley Cup is presented, the buyout window's there. So, uh, I mean, it brings back into this discussion... You know, will the Canucks travel down that road? I think with buyouts, it's important to remember that they really are a last resort option. Patrick Alvin has stated, like, it's just not his intention to use them. He didn't come right out and say, I won't. But if you're going to use a buyout, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, I think you continue to use this time leading up to the draft to, you know, try to find another way out, right? Like, again, this is the last resort. So just because the buyout window is open you know, teams can start to exercise that that avenue. Mm-hmm. But I think you're, if buyouts are going to happen, they're going to come at the back end of the window just because I, I still think you're into sort of that panic mode of make it or break it in terms of can you trade, you know, using some of the other uh, tools available to you. But we are now in that point of time where buyouts, and it's not just the Canucks. I mean, I've seen lots of lists about top 10 buyout candidates around the NHL and you know, again, when every dollar matters and teams are looking to find competitive advantages, you know, I, I think we probably will see some buyouts around the league. I think Ryan Suter in Dallas, imagine that being a buyout candidate. Twice. Like he's, yeah, exactly. Like that, That's how you do it. Now, it means you're out of work for a short time, and maybe it's the end of the line for a guy like Ryan Suter, but uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like the Dallas Stars are likely to travel down that road with him. Uh Kaylor Yamamoto, I've seen his name. That one's another one. Like, I, I would have kind of thought, like, Connor Garland, like, you know, is there not a trade to be made there, even a distressed value kind of trade for the Edmonton Oilers? But uh, people seem to think that uh, maybe he's a buyout candidate. And there are a bunch of others around the National Hockey League. But, of course, as we focus on the Vancouver Canucks, uh, we all, you know, the $20 million question is, would they, you know, would they write that check to make Oliver Reckman Larson go away? And if they do, like that changes the conversation completely around the Vancouver Canucks. Like, you know, it's a massive ask. Those are real dollars. Uh, the Aquilini family has lots of money, but they didn't get rich by giving away, you know, chunks of 20 million at a time. So it's a massive commitment. But boy, if they exercise that option on Oliver Reckman Larson, like absolute game changer for the Vancouver Canucks, not just this offseason, but, you know, for what was left uh, on the terms of uh, that contract. He doesn't go away, though. He only goes away for, for next year, really, at 146000 and change to be on your cap hit. After that, he's 2.3. After that, he's 4.7 for two years. Then it's 2.1. Like, at 4.7 for two years, that's two players. I understand that. But it's also freeing up cap space now, and it's money that you're not uh, spending on him, uh, you know, the full value of his contract that you could then go and use uh, to find other players as well. I'm not expecting it. I mean, I've, I've been pretty consistent. I just, I don't see an appetite to write that check, but 
again, if uh, I'm not seeing a lot of progress for the Vancouver Canucks in other areas to create this cap space that they themselves talk about. This isn't just us talking about, oh, they need cap space. Uh, they've known, this management group has known since it took over that this was a priority and yet really nothing's been done in that regard. So uh, it's there. It's there as an option. Again, I don't anticipate them using it at all. But if they do, I certainly don't see it happening early in the buyout window. Yeah, I saw Cap Friendly put out uh, that he was one of the most searched buyout <laughs> candidates, of course. <laughs> I think I've probably searched it about 12 times, and, I've, and I know the numbers. Like, I've, already, I've looked at it so many times. You hope that the numbers go, to, hope are, are lower? Yeah, yeah exactly. a little bit. <laughs> do you think the Winnipeg Jets are going to pull off something big here before, before the draft with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Oh, I, well, I don't know if it's PLD. I mean, I think Connor Hellebuck's going to be a hot yeah. topic around the draft floor. He's made it clear that he's not looking to re-up there long-term. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that his name will be front and center. Yeah, I think the Winnipeg Jets are a bit of a flashpoint. I think... Uh, Kevin Dayoff's hands are tied. You know, he's been backed into a little bit of a corner now. Uh, you know, they had the run that got them to the Western Final against Vegas back in Vegas' inaugural season. It kind of has been downhill since then, and now it feels like the window is absolutely closing. So uh, I think he's going to be active and busy. Again, I just, and this is just my hunch, but I do think that Nashville is going to be a player in all of this. I think they're going to be motivated. I think they have to improve. They need some offense. And so, uh, yeah. And they're a tinkering kind of team, right? Like that's all they really need to do. There's no real straight tear it down with them. I think they're they're trying to tinker to be able to you know get themselves back into to being a playoff team again. Yeah, I mean they need health first and foremost. Like you know Philip Forsberg was injured down the stretch last year and that hurt them. Remember, I mean they UC Soros kept them in it right down to that final week where they had those games against the Flames and against the Jets. They fell just short, but uh, they've got Forsberg, they got Roman Yossi, they've got UC Soros. But they also used uh, was the 11th overall pick a couple of years ago on a scar off the goaltender. So I was gonna ask you, you know, so you wonder two more years left with Sar- like could Saros perhaps be available? He's on a great ticket too at five million dollars. J Pat, we talk about Thatcher Demko. Yep, absolutely, this is the time. Like this is what I love about this time of the year. I mean, a lot of this is just talk, and it's not going to come to fruition. But there are teams that recognize, like the Canucks, that they've got to get better. And if you've put a bunch of motivated people in the same room, that's why we generally see some fireworks in and around the draft. So, uh, you know, we're basically 10 days out. I mean, the draft is the Wednesday and Thursday, the 28th and 29th. And then everybody can scatter out of Nashville to get back to their home bases because uh, the Friday, two weeks from today, you know, will be the calm before the free agent storm. And I get that it's not a great free agent class, but there are UFAs and there will be money spent. And so it's not just because it's a bad crop or relative to other years. It doesn't mean it's going to be quiet at all. And this year, July 1st on a Saturday. So, uh, uh, I don't know, you can't control where the, uh, where it falls on the calendar, but uh, national holiday, big day in hockey on a Saturday. So uh, GMs and guys like us will be working through that weekend. Yeah. I'm ready for it, though. It's yeah, all good. no, absolutely. Like, it, for us it, you know, from the minute the Canucks were finished, game 82 in Arizona, I mean, it's just been a lot of talk. Like, I am, I'm ready for some action here, so uh, let's see. And, and you know, before that, I mean, okay, the buyout window's open. Uh, the NHL awards are in Nashville this year. 
Uh, then you get to the draft, the two days, the first round on the Wednesday, the, the remainder of the draft on the Thursday. So, yeah, I mean, next week, the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, will in- announce its class of 2023. Could be another strong con- connection there. Alex McGillney, uh, you know, it, it kind of feels like this is going to be his year. So, it's time. yeah, it's time. So, so, yeah, I mean, we're getting there. Lots, uh, again, nothing concrete to totally chew on other than, you know, the Ethan Bear news. There's been some fallout there um, since the Canucks put out the news that Bear, you know, has had the surgery, six months recovery. And I've seen a lot of people that just think like they should wash their hands of this guy entirely. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised. We talked about Gary Volk in his uh, tweet yesterday. Yeah. I also see a lot of people saying like, you know, again, you know, Vegas, one of the keys to its success was how ruthless they were. Like the Canucks should be ruthless in this situation that they should go to Ethan Bear and say like, you know, Basically, we're going to lowball you. We're not going to qualify you, but we're prepared to offer you a contract so that you can have some security, but, you know, basically at half the price that you thought you were going to make. Now, Bear can go into the open market. Be fascinating to see if he did become an unrestricted free agent with a bum shoulder. The teams know that, you know, they can't have this guy uh, playing for them. He can't, he's no, you know, not any help to them until Christmas time, essentially. You know, would there be a taker? Would he want the security just knowing that he's got a contract uh, so that he doesn't have to go deep into the summer wondering, like, is there somebody out there? Uh, you know, so there's lots of moving parts here. And I do wonder if the Canucks are prepared to play that game of, uh, you know, I kind of thought they would qualify him and he would take his qualifying offer and then just, you know, get on with the business of rehab. But, you know, the more I think of it, maybe there is an opportunity. And again, where every dollar counts to the Vancouver Canucks, if you could get Ethan Bear at half the price, if you want to keep him at all, like maybe the Canucks are prepared to wash their hands. But the fact that, you know, they made the announcement that, you know, they put a timeline on it. Like, I'm just connecting those dots that that seems like he's in the Canuck fold now, but that he's going to remain in the Canucks fold. Like, I'm not sure that Patrick Alvin would have come out and made a statement about the surgery and stuff if the Canucks were just going to wash their hands of him and walk away. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's see where that one goes with Ethan Bear, but, uh, certainly, um, you know, th- th- there's no finality to this story yet. And I do think that, uh, there's a couple of chapters still to be written. How about this for free agency? We talked about three C options yesterday. We went through a list that, uh, our buddy Ben Kuzma had put together. And I think a lot of those names on that list, we were already thinking about as well. One name that wasn't there though. And as I sort of looked through cap friendly at some options for the Canucks, Evan Rodriguez, that's the guy that we talked about, I believe, last uh, last year. And he had 16 goals, was only a $2 million AAV. Now, that might have something to do with the market and, you know, where the salary cap was last year. So maybe- Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Maybe he gets a little bit more than that $2 million, but is he the right guy? I, I know we're looking for somebody with some offensive flair, but do we want size? Like what, what components does this person, this player need to have uh, for the Canucks? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Evan Rodriguez is a name to consider for a couple of reasons. One, he's a right shot. And if he's going to be a centerman, and you know, I think he's played a little bit of the wing as well at times, but I, I, I think he's seen in hockey as a, as a centerman. So he's a right shot guy. That checks a big box for the Vancouver Canucks. The other one is that, you know, he's come from Pittsburgh or he has spent time in Pittsburgh, in the Pittsburgh system, um, familiar to Patrick Alvin and others that uh, are now running the Vancouver Canucks. So there's a familiarity you know, so much of this is a people-person business and the experiences and you connect dots. And, uh, you know, we've seen what, um, you know, like he played in Pittsburgh. Sergey Gonchar was an assistant coach. Uh, you know, like there are legitimate ice-level connections. Talkett had moved on by then when he was playing for the Penguins, but Sergey Gonchar is very much in the Canuck fold. Um, so, yeah, like I, I don't think you can discount that. I, I You know, and when you look at his offensive numbers... You know, at t- like he had 19 goals in his last season with the Penguins. He had 16 goals, 40 points uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. And that was in 69 games. So, you know, if he'd played a full 82, he would have been in that 45 to 50 point range, you would think, for the Avs. So, you know, this is a guy that's kind of had a slow build to his career. Started with the Sabres, then went to the Penguins. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of offense. But the last two seasons, it kind of feels like he's really come into his own. And, yeah, like that to me is... You know, if I'm drawing up what I'm looking for as a third-line center for the Vancouver Canucks, like I'd like to think that they could find a guy that could get them 40 points from that third-line center position. And, you know, in the event of an injury, again, you're not replacing J.T. Miller or Elias Pettersson. If they're out with a long-term injury, that probably derails the Canucks season. But if they're out for two weeks, you know, do you have a guy that has the offensive chops that can step up for six or eight games, and, you know, I think he fits that kind of profile. So, you know, price point and options and what does he value? You know, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, you know, in the East, he came and played in the West with Colorado, but is he looking to go back to, uh, he's a Toronto guy originally, um, you know, so I don't know what his sort of values and, and what's high on his priority list, but yeah, like that's a name to me that, and now you're right, we talked about it last year. And for a lot of those same reasons. So, uh, yeah, I, I would think that he would have to be on the Vancouver Canucks radar. He might have, you know, teams high on his priority list. Signed on September 12th last year with Colorado. So he was one of those guys that dragged along, right? And what didn't find himself a seat until late. Right. That, you know, I'm sure was thinking the 19-goal season in Pittsburgh was going to be his meal ticket. And, yeah, I mean, we see that. We, you know, Nazem Kadri had to wait a while before he found you know, the right spot for him. So sometimes free agency uh, can produce instant winners. Sometimes guys have to be patient through the process. Um, and, and like, 
you know, you score 19 in the NHL. I'm sure you're just sitting there and your agent's in your ear and you're, you know, rubbing your hands together with glee. Like, that would suck, I would imagine. Like, I scored 19 goals. Like, what's going on? Like, why, why isn't my phone ringing? Do they not have, do they not have my number? Um, so, yeah, you know, like, probably some angst that he, my guess is he doesn't have a huge appetite to go through that again. So maybe he wants to get a deal done a little sooner. Maybe he's ready to play ball. Well, there's a name to consider as we uh, sort of move forward yeah, here. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't hear the full interview of this, but I did hear some of the clips, and I, I just want to talk about it briefly here. Bruce Boudreaux was on with our buddies Alfred and Bruff uh, this morning, and I, I, he pushed back on, you know, the team having a lack of structure and, and our buddy Bruff brought up the fact that that's the, the new motto for the Canucks this year is just structure. And Bruce pushed back saying, you know, he's won in the past with the system that he's run. However, like you have to consider the players that he had in the system that he ran. And of course, you know, with that, those Washington teams that were, you know, winning president's trophies at leave, they didn't have the, the success that they hoped they would have in the playoffs. But he didn't have that team here in Vancouver. So for Bruce to sort of push back on that, that makes me sort of see why the Canucks, you know, made the decision that they did make on Bruce Boudreaux. I like Bruce Boudreaux as a person. I think he was failing the team as a head coach uh, when it was all said and done here in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard the clips as well. Um you know, what jumped out at me was where he talked about how hard the guys played right down to the final games against Colorado and Edmonton before ultimately he was shown the door. And then he said, like, we played hard. We just didn't have the horses. Um, and that is true. And, you know, I think everybody Shot. recognized yeah. that, but uh, just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, don't, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to be honest or if that was a subtle dig uh, at the management group that, uh, you know, didn't get him the horses. But, you know, Travis Green could say the same thing, that he didn't have the horses either. We'll see if Rick Tockett does. But, yeah, I mean, Bruce was quick to defend his record, went through the, you know, we won the President's Trophy, the Jennings Trophy, penalty kill, power play, whatever. Uh, that's fine, but you didn't do that in Vancouver. And uh, goal scoring wasn't the issue. It wasn't the issue for Tockett. It wasn't the issue for Boudreaux. It was a little bit for Travis at the end, just because Elias Pettersson had that horrendous start to... Uh, to the season in that led to the massive house cleaning. But yeah, I mean, you know, all those early leads last year and they couldn't defend. So they did well to get out in front, but you know, it wasn't about extending. Once you get up three, nothing, it's not about making it four and five and six. It's about just tightening it up. Um, and they just welcomed way too many teams back in. And ultimately when you start zero and seven, you are behind the eight ball and it's a steep climb at that point. So yeah, I mean, it's fine to point to his track record on other places, but we were dealing in the here and now uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, like I, I just, I mean, the injury to Demko, Demko's start to the season, all of those things, they all played into it. But ultimately, the team just didn't change the way that it played defensively. He wasn't blessed with the best defense in the National Hockey League. I get that, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I, Bruce has to own some of it as well. There was enough to go around, certainly, but you can't just say, hey, the coach, no, he did his part. Um, no, everybody, I think, has to take some ownership. And unfortunately, it was just such a, a toxic environment right from the outset. Uh, he didn't stand a chance. I think he knew that. He certainly does now, um, but he's not the coach here. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've gone through a coaching cycle here in the offseason. He didn't get a job. Travis Green's still looking for work. Um, 
it is wild to think. Like, you know, we spent some time yesterday looking back at the dozen years since the Canucks were at Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in 2011. And you look like Mike Gillis is out of work. You know, Jim Benning and John Weisbrod and Travis Green and Chris Gear and, like, all these guys that... You know, are they going to get back into the National Hockey League? And, you know, you know, if they want to, for their sake, I hope they do. But um, it, it is a little strange that, you know, people that touch the Vancouver Canucks in positions of power uh, struggling to find work again elsewhere in the National Hockey League. Vancouver Canucks poison pill. <laughs> Your job security. Not torts. Torts finds work. Torts always finds work. But uh, the rest of those guys, yeah, it's, uh, it remains a struggle. Uh, J-Pat, before we get to our Friday guest here, I forgot to mention this off the top of the podcast. This is episode number 400 for Rinkwide Vancouver. 400 episodes. Hang on. So I've put up with you for 400 episodes? Can you believe it? Do I get get a ribbon or something? I mean, yes, you should. You should get something. The listeners put up with me for 400 episodes. Well, congratulations to us then. Yes, yes. And to this guy, because he's been a part of us for yeah. for a while now. Patrick Johnson joining us, Post Media, The Province. PJ, 400 episodes, buddy. Uh, congratulations. You've been a part of probably, what, 40 of them, maybe? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, it's 400. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I'm, has it really been that long? Like, that. that's the amazing thing to me. Hey, you guys have been... We are workhorses. We are yeah. the Iron Men when it comes to Vancouver yeah. Canucks podcast. Yeah. Just call just call me Phil Kessel, all right? There you go. Yeah, well, three, yeah, Kessel. you know, you have your three Stanley Cup championships. Yes. Were, none of them were with the Leafs for Andrew with uh, you, Andrew, which is very fitting. Unfortunately. We got a few things in common, me and Phil. Uh the waistline uh, being one of them. <laughs> uh all right. So uh, we saw that Ethan Bear is gonna get surgery, he's gonna be out for six months. We are batting this around a little bit, PJ. Like, is there a world where perhaps the Canucks move on from this player? Maybe. I mean, you know, I just have a hard time seeing that because it's a guy that they waved in front of season ticket holders. And I think they're, you know, they had a, a sort of a, what's the word, an opportunity to add a guy that, you know, made their defense better. I mean, you can quibble whether Ethan Bears, you know, a, second pair defenseman or a third pair defenseman, but certainly he was better than what they had. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I have a really hard time imagining this. Um, it was interesting seeing Rick Dollywally will get from Jason Davidson that this has actually been an ongoing issue for him for several years. Um, you know, so it's not like, it's not like the surgery is sort of like, Oh my God, this could be like, you know, I mean, he's, it's supposed to repair something that's been a problem. Um, you're never, ever back to exactly the 100% you were before. Anytime you have surgery, inherently, there is something that is taken away. Um, but the idea is that you're as close to as you, the 100% you were before. And I think there's no reason to think this won't be the case. I don't have any sense that this is a particularly uh, unique procedure he had to go through. Uh, my, my, I don't know whether it's a separated shoulder, dislocated shoulder, what have you, but you know, there had to be something repaired in there that was an issue. Um, and you know, come December, if that's really is the full timeline here, there's no reason to think he won't be rare and ready to go and, and go into this lineup this, 
that ownership believes will be a playoff team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's the bigger picture that is more interesting and what it does. And maybe, maybe this forces some other changes that they've been thinking about. Um, but I, I don't, I have a really hard time imagining this is a player the Canucks are not going to try to bring back. Okay, Jeff and I talked about this on the pod yesterday, I believe it was. What is Ethan Bear's best trait? What, is, what does he do better than anybody? Puck recoveries. He comes back. He, I mean, I wrote about this. We saw this right away. He, he is, uh, of all the players they have, other than I'd say probably Quinn Hughes, he is the best at recovering the puck and, and creating essentially a zone exit for his team under control. Um it is a notable skill. He's very good at this. And one of the things that, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, one of the things that started to emerge, because he's a pretty good skater. He's obviously not Quinn Hughes level, but he's a pretty good skater. You know, and early on, you'd see him, he'd get the puck, he'd turn around, you know, he'd shake off pressure, and then he'd look to pass the puck right away. And you, you'd see these gaps and these lanes opening up in front of him that you want him to skate into, and he wasn't doing that early on. And we talked a lot about, I actually asked him about it, you know, I think in December at one point, and, and he said, well, yeah, I know I used to be that guy, but I'm, I, I just try to, you know, make the safe play now. And once Rick Tocchi came in and Adam Foote came in and Sergei Gontra came in, there was a notable, noticeable shift towards him trying to move the puck out more with his feet. And, you know, essentially get back to the player that, you know, I, I guess he was in junior um, and use some of those skill sets. So he's a skate puck skating defenseman. Um, you know, a mid-tier guy who obviously makes mistakes. I mean, every player makes mistakes, and um, you know, he's but he's he's pretty good at that. He's a pretty good, pretty mobile guy, and um, yeah, I, I would say that his ability to get the puck and and keep control of the puck under pressure is his best talent. We are essentially ten days out from the draft now. Uh, remarkably quiet around the Vancouver Canucks. And that doesn't mean that they're not doing what they should do as a front office. In fact, Patrick Alvin seems to have done some of his biggest and best business sort of, you know, out of nowhere, right? Like the JT Miller contract on Labor Day weekend. Nobody saw that coming. Horvat at the All-Star break, even the Heronic deal was sort of it caught a lot of people off guard. So as we sit here 10 days out, like, what is your sense? Like, do you think he's got another... Uh, ace up his sleeve here to make some sort of significant splash in and around the draft. Yeah, and as you know, we're in that window where you try to kind of prod, poke and prod people and try to line up, you know, what are the bits I have and can I figure right. out any of the cards anyone's holding? And um, I, I, my instinct is, is that, yeah, we're going back to a lot of the legwork they did going into the deadline. Um, now, I don't necessarily think that means there's a JT Miller trade at hand. Uh, I think this is a player they're pretty much committed to. You never say never, of course. Uh, but I look at that chatter we had last month about that deal with Chicago. Something like that. Um, that was an obvious fit. I know people have started talking about Nashville as well. I mean, there are fits. You, you, th- you sit and think about it. There are fits. Now, some of these some of these ideas, I think, are, you know, sometimes we're filling space and we sort of talk ourselves into sure. stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think there, I think there is something there. I think, I think you look at what they know they need to do, which they need to clear cap space. Um, you know, the idea that I've talked myself into, and I have to remind myself, this is extremely unlikely, is the idea that it won't be that Connor Garland or Brock Besser that they moved to Chicago. It'll be Tyler Myers. Um, you know, that they're, they'll get out from under that. And that's like, I go back to what I said just before now about Bear. Like, I think in many ways, looking at the way their depth chart 
even with Bear was going to be. I mean, they were going to have, I think they probably managed their way through Tyler Myers. There's a not unreasonable case to that he's a guy that you could move at the deadline next 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 season, um, you know, especially with how little money will be left on his deal and and um, you know I think you know I'm sure a team would love to add him as sort of a depth guy, uh, but I look at say Chicago and they need players like they actually need players that's part of Chicago's challenge and there's a dilemma here on if you're going to make a deal with the Canucks sure you add Connor Garland he's got three years left on his deal that would track with your ELC for Connor Bedard, right? You're, you're essentially building, Chicago's going to be building a team to contend in three seasons. That's the most optimal way to do it. Um, and so you trade for Connor Garland, you've committed in many ways. This is going to be one of our guys three years from now. But if you aren't saying, I don't know if that's a guy, I want to have a little more flexibility as we go along, Tyler Myers makes some sense. His, his contract's up next year. Um, certainly I think a guy, you know, you need, like I said, you need guys in the lineup and if you're Chicago and you have space to play with and you can think a little more elaborately, a little more creatively, and you want to create some cap space for yourself as you build this team. I mean, that there's, there is an argument there. I'm not convinced of it. I still think, you know, I think in the end, the more likely is that they'll look for a player who's going to help them, you know, through multiple seasons. Um, but yeah, thing something like that I think is going to happen. The Canucks have to; they don't have a choice. Like that's the thing I come back to is they really don't have a choice. They're going to have to do something. Um, I, I'm going to be interested to see if they can pull off something that benefits them as well, benefits another team, or they're just going to have to go full on cap dump and live on live with that. Uh, look, we focus on the Canucks because that's what we do here at Rinkwide. But let's broaden it a little bit. I mean, for so long, it's been a draft and develop world and a flat cap system and all that kind of stuff. And then the Vegas Knights come along yeah. and just go, like, screw all of that. <laughs> but there's also yeah. a copycat element to the way that people operate. Like, I wonder if the bold, brash moves that Vegas did, and Vegas was never patient. Like, they had good players, but they saw opportunities to get better players. Uh, you know, like, does that do anything to the urgency of some of the guys that are in these general manager seats. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you, you, you nailed it. It's a copycat league. The, the thing that sticks out to me is how often other teams get it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the lesson from Vegas is not so much what their lineup looks like, but the, the approach they took, which was figuring out, how to make it happen starting fresh of course having really avoiding bad contracts um in many ways seattle's a bit of a lesson of that right like they were very they may not have hit a home run in their expansion um expansion draft but they were very conscious of not taking on deals that they were were worried they might not be get, able to get out of in a, in a season or two um I still think, you know, Vlad Tarasenko would have made them a better team, but I can understand being hesitant when there's a big price tag hanging on to a guy like that. Um, and, and you look at Vegas, and obviously, uh, you know, they brought in Mark Stone, and Mark Stone is, I mean, I guess the word is now, is never going to be a full-time player again. Um, but they're only on, you know, they're on the, and they're on the hook from for four more seasons until he's 35. Um, but they went and said, this is a guy, I mean, he captain the new Stanley Cup. Jack Eichel is on a deal that's going to last for three more seasons, and then he's a UFA. You know, is are they are they going to, you know, two years from now, what what are they going to do with Jack Eichel? Um, William Carlson is amazingly already 30, but his deal is only $5.9 million. You know, they, they, they have commitments to guys, but they're not over-committed. You know, they, 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 are, they are sitting on... Um, 
you know, they've got sort of four, I would say four, if you want to call four more seasons, four contracts that are three or four more seasons that are big money. They got Peter Angelo, they got Eichel, they got Stone, they got Carlson, right? Um, then they've guys like Nicholas Roy and, and Juan and Zach Whitecloud on sort of $3 million deals that are going to last out. And they're kind of their mid-tier guys in their late 20s. Um, but other than that, like the lesson with Vegas is they took some big swings They've made some smart big swings, but they also have been careful not to overcommit themselves. You know, Alex Martinez has been a, a great pickup for them. They've really, but he's going to be 35. He's a free agent after this season, right? Now they're going to be able to sit there and go, well, we're going to be able to replace Alex Martinez with a younger guy. Maybe either that's a trade, that's a signing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they've got some prospects coming through. They're able to pull that together. You know, of course, there's the goalie story, which, you know, many ways is that reminder of, you can, you know, I suppose that the comparison with them in Florida was like, well, one team got, I mean, Brodkowski was fine, but did they need to, did they need to pay all that? Did they, you know, Dale Talon paid, gave Brodkowski a huge contract and essentially. Build an incredible team in front of, and then you can plug an Aiden Hill yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. And, or, you know, Logan Thompson or Ambassador. Like, you know, you look at the the squad that the, that they built and, and that's been, you know, obviously they went with Flurry and they went. You know, they, they went for goalies initially, but then they've, they've just been much more cautious on the whole approach. Well, they still have um, Leonard, though. Uh, like, they still have Leonard on the quarter. Yeah, 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 that's what, yeah, Leonard. But, you know, I mean, in the end, like, they went said they didn't go out and get, I mean, they got Jonathan Quick, but they didn't go out and get, like, we have no, to they, get a guy that's They got Aiden Hill. Talent. Like, they legitimately got Aiden yeah. Hill when they figured out that he was going to have to, or when Leonard had to go on LTIR for the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we'll see, you know we'll see what happens with Leonard. Obviously, he's two more years on his deal, and 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 you know that's obviously a, a situation that is you don't want to have to deal with. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November fourth at BC Place. Kickoff at three thirty p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. Um, but, you know, this is a team that has been very smart didn't over, you know, has not overpaid for depth guys. And, and that's the lesson is that you just got to be, you got to be aggressive, but you got to be disciplined. You know, that you really, you know, you, the opposite in many ways of what the Canucks says. We know the no plan plan um, for so many years. And, and the Canucks are, as a comparison point, dealing with the consequences of that. They took some big swings. And I think we would all conclude the big swings were on the wrong guys. They took a big swing at Oliver Ekman Larson and look at, how they're going to have to manage their way through that. They took a big swing at Tyler Myers. I mean, it's, I don't think now you look at it on the final year of his deal was worth it. Um, the worst part about, the worst part gonna, about that though, sorry to cut you off, it, it, like the, the Myers thing, everybody saw it coming. Everybody said the back end of that contract was going to stink. And then, and with OEL, everybody said, don't do it. Don't do it. But just couldn't help himself, man. Yeah. You know, and now they're looking at a Myers or uh, sorry, at a, at a, a JT Miller yeah. deal that everyone's like, you know, I mean, you look at the guy, the grade he scores at, and he's a second line scorer. He's a very talented power play player, but he's a second line scorer. And, and you now have a guy on, on under contract that uh, is, is not, 
you know, in the end, a guy that's going to carry your team. He's going to be probably, I think he'll be a good player for your team, but he's not a team-carrying player. And and I would say that that is the other lesson. I mean, you look at, you go look at a guy like William Carlson, you know, the sort of the second-tier, second-line center um, on that team. And he makes... Five point nine million. Yeah, you know, that he's making. You know, he's two million dollars cheaper yeah. than JT Miller, and and that's just there's a there's a you know obviously when they picked him they didn't know what he could be but the, you know they they found a player that's been very good for them, and they've had some restraint restraint over what his value is and um, you know that 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 to me more than anything that is the lesson of the of the yeah. Golden Knights is being aggressive but being smart. Yeah, they might lose. Uh, looks like I'm just looking at their cap friendly right now. They might lose Riley Smith. They might, uh, to, uh, but that depends on what they want to do with Barbashev. They might let Barbashev walk as well. I know he said he wants to stay there, but I mean, when you have a you know series like Barbashev had, uh, t- guys like that tend to get paid. Um, you talk about copycat league, and before we get out of here, wh- what do you think the the risk could be that Elias Pettersson looks at someone like Matthew Kachuk and now Pierre Luc Dubois and the way they've sort of accelerated their own sort of free agency as RFAs. Like, do you think there's perhaps any sort of risk there with Elias Pettersson, you know, doing the same thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I will still come back to the question of what does he think of the forward progress here, you know, and what does he think of of playing in Vancouver? I think you know he manages his life pretty well. I, I think, I think in general, players don't mind living here. That they obviously know that they're well known. But you, you rarely hear stories of players being feeling frustrated or being harassed on the street or anything like that. I mean, that is a very similar. I don't know if it's true anymore, but certainly you go back 20 years ago and that was a story of movie stars like coming. Robin Williams came here all the time because he knew that people weren't going to bother. They People didn't bother you on the street. They just, you know. Um, he came I, into the record shop that I worked at and was looking was looking at these bags and they're a record bag like for DJs yeah. and he turns around and I'm like and you're Robin Williams like nobody even like batted yeah. like they all knew he was there yeah, yeah that's yeah, my yeah. Robin Williams story but, for you but but that's my point and I, I, I as far as I know that's still the case. Um, you know, and I, I'm happy to be corrected otherwise if people have seen, you know, Vancouver Canucks players getting frustrated with fans or anything like that. But, but you know, the, the even with that, you, you know, he could probably think about playing somewhere, I don't know, L.A., where you really do recede into the background. And is that an environment he wants? I think more than, you know, and you look at, you know, what's the environment off the ice? You know, that we've talked plenty about the sort of off-ice facilities here, the lack of a practice rink. You know, what is what does that off-ice area feel like them? Like, I think they like it all right. I know they certainly like the food. You know, that is the that is a thing that the, that this ownership group does do well. They The food is generally very spot on. The players get fed. You know, there's a couple, there's actually a couple like players' lounges behind the scenes now. I know that, they're, that the players like a lot. Um, but, you know, is that enough or is that just the bare minimum? And, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, he laid out the standard. I want to be on a winning team. He is a guy that does care about on-ice performance. There are lots of players who are just happy to play hockey and, and um, you know, carry on and probably don't want to play in the playoffs. I think he's a guy that wants to play in the playoffs. He's a guy that wants to win. He's there for the thrill of it. Um, and, and that, to me, comes back to it all. Now, as I said, I think when, whenever was it last week that J.P. Barry had his statement on uh, the Get Your Back with the Get Your Back guys, but basically saying, you know, I'm feeling good. We're going to start talking. But you're sort of like, well, yeah, you're only going to start talking. Like, you're not like, there's not like there's, you're expecting to conclude an extension by the start of the season. 
and that to me you know left the door open for saying let's see see how things go we're we're starting out in a positive manner you know if it doesn't work out it's not going to be on us so i don't know it it, this noise is only going to ratchet up and i know you know if he's not signed before the season you know i think we're going to see a lot of groaning a lot of grumbling from elias Pettersson when he sees us and I get it, you know, he he just wants he just wants to play hockey, you know, but at the end of the day, this is this is how this is what we talk these are the things we talk about and this is what people want to know and fans want to know what their team looks like and you know, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're trying to sell 3 year seat licenses to your fancy suites, I got to think those people want to know the quality of team that they're throwing out money for too. So Yeah, and if they get off to the start like they did last year, I mean, that's going to be a whole lot and of the year before. Panicking. Yeah. Right. And yep. the year before, like yep. this is not the, the this I, I think was part of the reason why there was a bit of a maybe not exactly a, a straight line to Ethan Bear getting surgery that maybe uh, I, that that the Canucks want to start the season well. And in many ways, starting the season well is so important that I, I, I found myself wondering if they were going, oh, well, let's see if we go, you know, maybe we can roll the dice and get a start. But at the end of the day. They're going to have to figure this out. They're going to have to find a guy that, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to find the Ethan Bear sort of equivalent. Not that he's, not not because of the player himself, but because of the, I mean, I wrote about this yesterday, because of the pick hole they're in. You know, they don't have any cap space to work with. This, like I said, is a is an incentive to move Tyler Myers and see if you can find a guy that is essentially, you know, in the same range as Bear, or perhaps a little bit better. And then Bear comes back and he's on your third pair. And all of a sudden you're actually coming ahead of the game. Um, to me, that that would be the biggest lesson. That would be what the Canucks need to do here. Is they need to get bold. They need to find a way to get out from Tyler Myers. Use that money a bit more smartly. Find another defenseman. Um, find another defenseman who can fill the bare role in the short term. And maybe if you really do well and swing for the fences, a guy that actually pushes Bear down the lineup. Because that's what you should be trying to do. You should be trying to push guys down the lineup, not fill in from the bottom. That's it? Just that list there? Okay. All right. Simple. There you go. Exactly. We'll Easy peasy. Just figured it all Guys out. Guys can go home. Yeah. Yeah. No more podcasts needed. This will stand for the test for the rest of the time. Oh, there you go. So hopefully Patrick Alvine and, and Jim Rutherford were listening. Yeah. And, and they'll be able no to. More, no yeah. more podcasts needed. We yeah, hold on a second here. to start working on. Uh, yeah. PJ, enjoy your weekend. Hopefully you're a part of that uh, anti-boycott down there in Oakland. Yeah. And, uh, see if your A's can try to stay in the Major League Baseball. But uh, thank you for joining. And, of course, being on our 400th episode. Absolutely blast to be here. Thanks, guys. Good luck on 400 more. We're going to need it. Rick Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games that we play today. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, betting lines here. One that we need to update, though NHL Futures, NHL Draft. Mm. It's sounding like the Montreal Canadiens want to make a move here. They're at five right now. Sounds like they want to move up. Can't figure out if it's for Will Smith, who's getting jiggy with it, or Matt, is Matt Vey? Is that how you say it? Matt, Matt V? Matt Vey, Matt. Mitchkoff? Yeah. Matt, Matt Vey, Mitchkoff. Can't even figure out who it is at number three pick. I think two solidified right now. Um, perhaps Montreal wants to get to four. We'll see. But right now, Will Smith at plus 185 to go third overall. Mitchkoff at plus 500. Leo Carlson still at minus 155. Probably the safe bet. They don't have the fourth pick option. That would be kind of interesting to see 
you know, what that would be at because it looks like Montreal does want to try to move up. But if you feel like perhaps Leo Carlson might slip a little bit and you think Will Smith might be of the eye of the third overall pick, which would be the Columbus Blue Jackets, well, at plus 185, put your money down or perhaps at Mitchkoff at plus 500. Let's go off the board a little bit here, though, J-Pat, BC Lions home opener this weekend. I like him on the spread. Minus seven points at minus 110. Going to go check that out. Speaking of getting jiggy with it, going to go check out LL Cool J. You think Will You think Will Smith's ever heard any of those uh, getting jiggy jokes around? Oh, come on. Of course. So my hope is that he's one of those guys, that, kind of like Shane Wright last year, where you know he sits and he waits and doesn't hear his name called and he starts to get frustrated. And then, like, he gets up and he, you know, finally he's drafted and he climbs up the stairs and he slaps Gary Bettman. That would be fantastic. I think a lot of people would like that, actually. Uh, Edmonton Elks, uh, they stand a chance because they're not at home. Um, just ridiculous. Like, it's been five years with COVID and stuff since they've won a home game. Wow. Uh, but they're on the road. But yeah, Alliance, uh, you know, looked all right last week in their season opener. I've uh, got LL starting things off, good crowd. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like the Lions to win. Go to 2-0. and oh. Could put a bow on the uh, Will Smith talk as well with uh, Mama Said Knock You Out. There you go. All right. Yes, I think uh, we, cool we shall leave it at that. I, I, I do think we talked about, uh, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg and some other teams that are motivated and teams to watch. Columbus, like, they look like they're in win-now mode with the moves that they've made to get Provorov and, and Severson. You know, do uh, Yarmo Kekalina does things a little differently there? Like, would he be willing to drop down to add a, you know, a player to... Uh, their roster now, but still stay relatively high in the draft. Like, what's that third overall pick worth? Um, you talk about Montreal. Um, yeah, like I, I think it gets interesting after the the first two. I, I, I fully expect Bedard and Fantilli, and then you know, and then I think it's kind of game on um, as far as Columbus and what they do. You know, if they keep it, they probably do use it on Carlson, but. I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that Yarmo Kekalainen is trying to ramp things up in a hurry there in Columbus, and maybe he's willing to play ball with that third overall selection. Well, they played. He, uh, Carlson's played seventy nine SHL games now. He's got thirty four points over that span. He had twenty five and forty four this year. I think that Columbus thinks he's ready. Yeah, and he could be, but we'll have to see. See if Leo Carlson goes third overall to the Columbus Blue Jackets. See if I hit on my best bet with the BC Lions this weekend. I know it's going to be a hit regardless because LL Cool J is going to be there. Very looking forward to that. Also, to uh, update my U.S. Open picks, don't feel good about them right now, J-Pat. <laughs> Brooks Kepka I had a plus 1,100. You're probably getting higher odds than that now. He was plus one after day one. And Corey Connors is at, was at plus 8,000 to start the tourney. He's at even. But the way that uh, they're ripping up that course, boy. They're going to have to do something because they're going low this weekend. Doesn't feel like a U.S. Open, does it? Well, certainly not with the scores that we saw yesterday from Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler and others. But, uh, you know, what I do love about golf is, uh, you know, Corey Connors was in the mix right to the end at uh, the PGA Championship. We saw Nick Taylor win the Canadian Open. Uh, Mac Hughes had a nice round, 300 par to start. So, you know, let's see what he does to follow it up here uh, in round two and hopefully through the weekend as well. But just every week it feels like, you know, we're at a point in time where there's a Canadian in the mix uh, at any of these big golf tournaments. So that's pretty cool. Well, we hope this podcast and the U.S. Open gets you through the weekend because this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. Many thanks to Patrick Johnston for joining us as he does each and every Friday. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Always sports.